If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. This episode of the Major Spoilers Podcast goes out to all the drivers of Topeka, Kansas. If you pass me on the right again, I swear I'm going to T-bone you. But it's going out to you! The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, jailbait porn stars go to Mars, octogenarian shirtless alien Egyptians, and alien babies with the heads of dead actors. Why is this sounding like the weekly world news? Anyway, presents for your cohorts in geekery, and a dingo ate Rodrigo's baby. Plus, Aphrodite, goddess of inappropriate love and or plot devices, Plus, do you bag and board your comics, or are you a Philistine alien transvestite robot? In addition, beautiful, busty hotties laying gargoyles for no reason other than testosterone. Insert last pop culture reference here. The Major Spoilers Podcast is on your nerves, in your face, and up your street, and on the air! Hey everybody, welcome to another exciting issue of the Major Spoilers Podcast. So happy to have you here, part of the Major Spoilers experience. It's so much fun having everyone here week after week in our little podcast side chats. Just to share a laugh and make fun of the Twilight. Actually, we should sing that at the end. Oh, we're not doing that this week. We're going to make make fun of the 80-year-old men and the Twilight fans. Yes, exactly. Speaking of JSA and (laughs) men in harnesses. More JSA picks released. This time we get a better look at Dr. Fate and Stargirl. <laughs> you know Matthew? what my favorite part is? I love the outrage that? that Dr. Fate's helmet doesn't look metallic. I like I our fans. I do. Heck? We are going to the, rip these people a new one. I, I think it looks good, but it falls into that same, that same problem we have when they do a superhero costume. They feel the need to add extraneous textures. And for me, it goes back to probably the second Tim Burton Batman movie is the first place I noticed how, how you know, unnecessary. Mm-hmm. What was that? <laughs> What's that? That's, That's just... how the song goes for Batman. Oh, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> 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 
You get to that point where somebody's wearing... Surprisingly, Rodrigo is not the one yeah, that's jacked up on caffeine. Well, I've got a big bowl of cran grape over here. Trying to get rid of my triple panuni. Ooh. Okay. Problem, problem with extraneous with textures is... Three, two, one. The problem... <laughs> the problem with extraneous textures comes in that it doesn't make them look like a superhero. It makes them look like a guy dressed up as a superhero. Um, it reminds me of, and don't get me wrong, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it, the Batman leathers that they were selling. That we, we actually had a website. Mm, oh, that. Your uh, Batman yeah, motorcycle yeah, yeah, leathers, motorcycle it's all covered with textures and edges and little blah, 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 blah. It just, it gets so busy. And Dr. Right. Fate's costume, well, the one that they're using is actually the current Kent Nelson, the second Dr. Fate costume. Kent Nelson, the second, not the second Dr. Mm -hmm. Fate. But it's, I mean, by adding those textures for some reason, it makes it to me look less superhero-y and more apologetic and more, we have to make a, an explanation for why anyone would dress like this. And when, when the basis of your show is mm -hmm. rocketed from the dead planet Krypton, Kal-El, you know, fights the never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way, after ten years, you can stop apologizing for the superhero element. You did us. You did. A well, can you though? Because for ten years, but they did a Legion episode. It. I mean, that is as geeky as you can get. We're yeah. now going back to the Justice Society. Either we are going to mine the superhero element for all that it's worth, and we're going to have Superman be Batman in a trench coat, or we're going to spend all of our time going well. Maybe they're they're not really superheroes and stuff, you know. The Star Girl looked phenomenal. I I look at it from this point, and I don't know. We may need to get uh, Doctor Peter Coogan back on so we can talk about the origin of the the costume. And my biggest problem with costumes is you don't see people just going out and buying the spandex and fighting in spandex. Uh, I think the people, a lot of people may have had some problems when the X-Men movie first came out mm -hmm. and they were all wearing leather and they even made a crack inside the movie about, well, what do you want to wear? Yellow spandex or something like that. Mm -hmm. This looks like, and I uh, granted it's not the origin of this character, but it looks like Dr. Fate went down to the Harley Davidson store, <laughs> right? found a leather Dr. jacket Fate went and to Harley Davidson blue. and he was looking to and make that's a deal. He, <laughs> he was in a bind because he was way behind and, and that's something that I so if you're looking at it from that point of view, it's like, well, he's using the materials that he has available to him. Mm -hmm. Maybe he didn't have a Ma Kent to sew his own costume. Aren't but I they, agree. Well, I, aren't, you know, aren't the, the elements Stark, available to Dr. Fate, like yes, the raw he should forces be able of to, chaos? Yes, uh, order, actually. But yes, <laughs> oh, right, he, can, right. he can create his own suit that way. Stargirl, you know the reason why she looks, why you like that one? Is because it looks like an off-the-rack uh, go down to your local sports center, and yeah. you're gonna find find a pair of spanks and a and a t-shirt like that, or a, a, you just a say a pair of stretch shirt like that. Shirt, yeah, and there you go. Yeah, when, you know those tight shorts. That when they, when, when, when were you possessed by Kirsten Dunst in the movie uh, Bring It On? <laughs> because are these spear fingers, <laughs> or are these spear fingers? <laughs> Here's a spirit finger for you, Rodrigo. Any other thoughts? Um, I'm just, eh, I'm not all too excited about I, this. I am a, I am a big fan of the John Carter series. Matthew, you've read those? John Carter, didn't he direct They Live? Yes. 
No, no, no. no. John Carter is the Martian Manhunter. <laughs> no, 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 no. John Carter was the new kid on ER in season one. Okay. Who eventually moved to... Actually, that is John Carter. Shit. I'm now actually trapped within a self-referential spiral and I'll never get out. Quickly, <laughs> someone Reboot, reboot. Deja Three. Torres, the Two. Princess of Mars series. I had Deja Torres just the other day. It seemed like I had done the whole... Actually, I'm having it right now in this podcast. Yes, and so we're... Somehow we've done all of this before. So there's a new uh, John Carter of of Mars movie coming out Uh called The Princess of Mars, but it's not the one that's going to be directed by Andy Stanton and some of those guys from Pixar. This is actually some... It's... uh, What is it? It's um, Asylum Pictures, I think, is is the company. And they've got it where Deja Torres is Tracy Lords. Uh Did you guys watch that trailer? No. It looks like a sci-fi channel movie. Yeah. And I guess there's nothing wrong with that. How uh, um, old is Tracy Not that Lawrence there's anything maybe. wrong. Well, she's legal now. Oh, she's okay. like 39. Yeah, she's like our age. Yeah. Tracy Lawrence was legal when I was in college. Well, is she s- supposed to be that old in the story? I don't know. I, I always thought I Deja, thought Deja Torres, Torres was, like was in, her, her, in her 20s. Yeah, late 20s. Yeah. Something like that, so... I would say Deja Thoris myself. Uh, that's fine. Uh, but the thing, I guess, the, the problem I have with and I guess there's nothing wrong with it, because a lot of movie companies do this a lot. They hear that there's a big production uh-huh. going on of, of some movie. So, hey, let's make our version of it. I did yeah, sure. uh, I did at, see at Walmart today the Frog Prince right. DVD. Right. It's already out. The characters just happen to be black, too. Right. And it's something that they hack together really quick to try to... I like I like how there's a whole um, sector of, of marketing that is specifically tailored to tricking your grandma. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. It's not the first time that this has happened. Oh, no, no. I mean, it happens in it happens in it happens in it happens in comic books too. Remember with Identity Crisis and what was the Marvel story that came out that same week? The first for the identity- four thousand one hundred and thirty second time, it was Identity Disc. Yes, identity you disc. ask this right every there. Time. Well, because I really didn't care, but it did fool some people into grabbing that in in grabbing that issue. Uh, no, it I, didn't. The trailer. The trailer. Nobody this, bought uh, Identity Disc. Not even me. <laughs> the uh, the trailer for this uh, John Carter movie though doesn't look bad. I mean, it's I'm sure the acting isn't super great, um, but the um, the Tracy special Lord effects can act her butt off. The uh, the special effects aren't are Literally. not too bad. Yeah, the the masks look good. Yeah, on uh, Alien Man. Yes, Alien Alien Tar- Man. Tarkus, Tarkus. Yeah, Tars Tarkus. Yeah, He's yeah. A cool guy. Tarkus does he have four arms? Uh, I don't remember if we can see this that guy, in the. This guy doesn't seem to have four arms. Yeah, that's Maybe the problem. And the other guy. thing is, Tars Tarkas is seven feet tall, and this guy, these right. aliens are. Tarkas not seven is feet like tall. seven and a half feet tall with four arms. The other problem that I'm going to have with this movie is, in the book, in the original story, um, you know, John Carter wakes up when he's on Mars and he's naked, and everybody's naked. There's ain't going to be no naked people running around in this no, movie. Of course not. Well, so are, are these stories in the public domain how is it that this other company is doing a john carter movie with a john carter movie in the works i don't know who has the rights to the edgar rice Burroughs stuff mm-hmm. i'm sure there's a state do you know matthew uh there is well it, it if it's tied up with the tarzan rights i believe 
parts of Tarzan are in the public domain, but I would have to do some actual deep digging about which I, you know, kind of don't care. But <laughs> I, I think I would I would have to do some heavy duty math on it because. Well, in any more ah, okay, here we go. So complicated. Here we go. Um, copyright law rights. Princess of Mars was one of the few works in which Burroughs, in his inexperience as a new writer, uh, relinquished all serialization rights. Others include The Gods of Mars and Tarzan of the Apes. So my guess is they are in some kind of public domain. Hmm. There you go. Happy to be of service. There or you at go. least readily uh, available boy, to anyone who wants no. to buy them. Oh, here's a surprise topic for you, Matthew. Yes. Black Hole Remake. Can, can, I, can I give us an adult tag? Sure, go ahead. Fuck yeah. Woo! I'm gonna I'm watch that movie because that's the one movie I'm gonna lie in his head. But uh, what if it doesn't have Vincent or Old Bob? Well, then they are the devil and they must die. They're it, made of stinky poop. We're told that it will have Maximilian in it, but that's but the only thing. If you have Maximilian, that... you have to have Vincent. Do you? That's, do dude, you it's really? the law. <laughs> in fact, you do. Well, let me put it to Statue you this way. 2569 of the Comic Nerd Code says any movie with Let's Maximilian must have Let's say you're doing Vincent a Star Wars story. Yes. Let's say it's the year 2512. Yes. And you, along with the cloned offspring of George Lucas, are making a Star Wars movie. You're going to make sure it has Darth Vader. Right. Ah, you're not so clear on that Skywalker kid. Yeah, it may not be so important if I'm making a, a remake. Cause... No, because then you can just combine the two into Starkiller. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Lando Starkiller. Lando Starkiller. <laughs> so you're and actually Han excited Solo about this Chewbacca news. Are one creature. So you're excited, sure, anything excited that would days. allow me to get a decent DVD copy of the original. Yeah. All right. Fair I'm, enough. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm st I'm still just excited about Clash of the Titans being remade. Clash! <laughs> also announced up on the website today, Titan Publishing, releasing World Wrestling Entertainment Comics. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> That's also another one right up Matthew and Rodrigo's alley. Let the this, wrestling talk begin now, called World Wrestling Heroes. This is a difficult proposition, because they've done comics many times, and the problem you come to is, no matter how much we talk about superheroes being like live action, or, or excuse me, yeah, wrestlers. wrestlers being like live action superheroes, live action characters are different than superheroes. And if we look at the... Uh, I, I don't hate the art. Well, I, I do hate the second cover. I don't hate the art that's previewed on the website. I actually think it looks good. But if you look at... I presume that's supposed to be The Undertaker in those first sequences. No idea. When you see the, the big tall guy with the devil horn on his pants. Mm -hmm. Probably The Undertaker fighting, fighting yeah. his brother Kane. Yeah. Okay. Kane looks okay. Undertaker and Kane are a lot closer in size than that. But if you look at the Undertaker's chest, something is missing. Nipples? No. Uh, the Undertaker is actually a man named Mark Calloway, I believe. And Mark has 25 years worth of overarched tattoos. I mean, the Undertaker's entire chest and body is covered in tattoos. Ah, okay. I believe the same is true of Batista. So, 
Uh, yeah. If you see Dave Batista in that first, uh, the third page, yeah, you third see the Kings. Yeah. And then you see Matt Hardy and Kofi Kingston, and then you see Batista and R Truth, and someone I'm presuming is CM Punk. You have these characters here, Punk especially, but Batista as well has enormous tattoos. So I'm thinking that either they're adding the tattoos later with some sort of digital process, or the artist has chosen to leave the tattoos out. You know, if you if you look at the big Royal Rumble scene on page four, mm-hmm. most everybody is pretty recognizable in that sequence i can look at that and go okay well that's the highlander idiot and that's mark henry and that i I think is vladimir kozlov you mean andre the giant and rowdy roddy piper yeah those guys (laughs) yeah them speaking of of the highlander idiot um that's i think that's gonna be a serious problem for this no tattoos no 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 they if you if you actually sit down and for some reason decide that you want to watch Raw over a period of several weeks, they will start a storyline and then just drop it. Drop it in the middle without any explanation. Change the storyline. Change what's happening because something happened in real life. Uh-huh. You know, the wrestler got busted for drugs or suspended or injured or they just decided that's not the way that they wanted to go with things. Right. Um, right. In the comics... And you see this in the video games all the time. I've like when I got my copy of uh, SmackDown versus Raw for the Wii, there were yeah. a couple guys that I'd never seen before, and that's because they just were like blips in the radar of wrestling that were after I stopped watching Raw and before I kind of started again. Right. You know, like who are we talking about? I don't remember. Guys are coming in and out yeah. of this stuff all the time. The guys that they want to market go out and get themselves arrested. Or something happens to them, or they just quit, and they go to uh, TNA, which is a great name right. for a franchise, incidentally. <laughs> um, Indeed. And they're going to be stuck in the comic book for a while. And I something tells me that you know Vince McMahon is going to come down and be like, oh, you need to write these guys out of the comic book. Maybe not Vince McMahon, Vince McMahon's comic book publisher, Tiny McMahon. <laughs> you guys were saying Vince the Highlander were making a joke Vince on McMahon's Roddy Roddy Piper? Vince McMahon's secretary. No. Because this actually says here in the uh, solicitation information that the Heroes series features Triple H, The Undertaker, Randy Orton, Batista, Shawn Michaels, Big Show, John Cena, CM Punk, <laughs> what is it, Cena, Kane, Cena. Edge, Chris Jericho, Matt Hardy, and Rowdy Roddy Piper. Notice that Piper is trademarked while the others are just Yes, registered. and that's the other thing that's so funny about this is this is nothing but a long list of registered trademarks. Yep. You notice that the only person who's not a registered trademark is Jim Ross. Yes. <laughs> because Jim Ross is a person. So you're looking actually, forward to this, Matthew. Is this something that you're going to order? Maybe. I'll at least pick it up. I wouldn't. Do you guys get Titan books there at the gatekeeper? Well, here's the thing. I, I'm going to reveal one of the horrific secrets of my comic book collection. Dun, dun, dun. In 1990, us, Marvel Comics did a WCW Comics adaptation mm-hmm. for 12 issues. It was awful. And it suffered from the problems that Rodrigo uh, referenced. Uh, specifically, at one point, an issue came out where Cactus Jack was the villain at a point where Cactus Jack had already quit and was working as Mankind in the WWE that point they were the wwf yes it's it's abysmal and then uh the ultimate warrior had five issues of warrior comics filled with distrustity and they were kind of awful and 
I have a whole bunch of stuff from Chaos. I know there was an Undertaker series. There was a Mankind miniseries. There was a Stone Cold and a Rock miniseries. And there's actually a really great China one-shot that I like, except for you know the gratuitous way that they try and put the finishing moves into the comic. Yeah. It's it's difficult. As opposed to the gratuitous way in which they put it into the actual wrestling matches. <laughs> right. Well, they try and build up to it. It's difficult to translate wrestling storylines into a comic. And from what I'm seeing here, it looks like they're going with kind of this legendary hero thing or something, which could work in theory. All right. Well, we'll but, see. We'll see. You know, worst case scenario, six months from now, we have something that we can go, man, wasn't that awful? Yeah, that's true. Or we can go, man, that sure was not awful. Or even well, better, we'll, we, we can keep making fun of Jim Helwig. We will have to wait until March 23rd, 2010 to find out if this issue is any good. Until then, keep watching the skies. Steven, have them send us a preview copy and I will preview and review and preview it. All right, we will do that. Will Whoa, preview. You can find these news stories and many more over at the Majorspoilers.com website. You can also find our very popular critical hit, a Major Spoilers Dungeons & Dragons podcast. <laughs> Between now and Christmas, we have a special feature running every day called the 28 Days of Geek Giving. Some uh, gift ideas for the geek in your life, or the nerd, or the All dork, the or the spaz. the first day of geeks, must my true love gave to me an inhaler. <laughs> we also have a lot of reviews up on the site. We've got the Major Spoilers adventures that are out every Friday, the forums, and a whole lot more. You can check it out at Majorspoilers.com, and we'll be right back. Hey, Matthew, I've got a question. Yes? You know, at the beginning of the of this show, you, you gave a shout-out to all these bad drivers in Topeka? Yes? Why would we do that? Wouldn't we much rather have a Major Spoilers listener get a shout-out at the top of the show? We would. However, no Major Spoilers listeners came in and said, hey, give me a shout-out because we love you. And how might I, somebody get a shout-out at the top of the show, Matthew? It's simple. It's, 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 like, it's like peeing in bed wide awake. All you have to do is donate $10 or more to the Major Spoilers experience. The Major Spoilers podcast, the website, the wonderful forums, the Critical Hit podcast, the, the Major Spoilers podcast... All the things that we do, the major spoilers experience, you too can be a part of that, and I will mispronounce your name at the beginning of a particular podcast. Because, my friends, you're the major spoilers. Three, two, one. <laughs> you're the faithful spoilerites. We know that you love comics, and we love you. This issue of the Major Spoilers Podcast is brought to you by Past Generation Toys. With action figures from DC and Marvel, there's bound to be an action figure for you. Visit them on the web at pastgenerationtoys.com. That's right, everybody. Please help out our sponsors. Uh, Past Generation Toys, we're so glad that they're a sponsor for our show. Uh, just click on their links over the Major Spoilers website, go visit their site, all that other good stuff, and uh, so on and so forth. And a cough, too. All right. Gotta get me a cough switch, my friend. I know they don't make USB cough switches, at least not that I've found yet. Let's get to some reviews because I know that's the reason a lot of people come to the site. We got a couple of reviews this week: one from Marvel, one from DC, and one from our good friends over at Boom Studios. Shall we spin the wheel of destiny? Wheel of morality, turn, 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 and tell us the lesson that we should learn. 
Where did Looks it like land? I'm up. Up. Looks like Matthew's up first. Incredible Hercules number 138. Enlighten us. Indeed. In the latest episode of the Assault on New Olympus, Hercules has gathered a few of his fellows from the Avengers. New. Which is odd because Hercules is a member of the Mighty Avengers. To help to uh, strike against his mother, the evil Hera, who runs Olympus Industries and who is about to launch something which apparently is going to, I don't know, kill everyone on Earth and relaunch reality from the beginning. Anyway, we open with Hercules dead at the hands of Typhon. <gasps> I know. Weird, isn't it? And then we immediately cut to Amadeus, Amadeus Cho and... Athena, turns out whatever it is, is either representational or a flash forward. And <gasps> Athena explains... <laughs> Athena explains Spinger to Amadeus that he, he is designed to be the next Prince of Power, the replacement for Hercules. Ah, okay. Meanwhile, at the same time at the Avengers Mansion, Hercules, Spider-Woman, Wolverine, and Spider-Man, as well as the U.S. agent, jerk, U.S. agent, forgive me, I have a speech impediment. <laughs> have all teamed up to try and find a way into Olympus Industries. So, it explains to them <laughs> that if they can get past Huntsman, the person they can't get past, evade Argus of a Thousand Eyes, who cannot be evaded, beat up an entire horde of Amazons, who cannot be beaten, pick the unbreakable locks, break open the unbreakable doors, vanquish the greatest monster in human history, ah, the rest of it should be a cakewalk. Do they dream the impossible dream? Indeed. They reached the unreachable star. I believe the unreachable star is Britney Spears, at least if my restraining order has anything to do with it. <laughs> but they're talking about gods and deities, and, and, and the U.S. agent actually has a great moment. He's like, enough with the god talk. I don't see you or anything. You ain't no more gods than any more than Spider-Man is the god of wisecracks, see? Maybe the old-timey guys did worship you, see? But... There's only one God, and he ain't any of you, see? And it's a really fascinating moment because it kind of works. Mm -hmm. And it reminds them that Hercules and his brethren are essentially fallible. And not only that, Athena points out something very interesting about the Avengers that they've gathered. Um, the wise-cracking spider hero in West Africa is known as Anansi. And Wolverine kind of looks like Serenununununos, the god of the hunt from, you know, Celtic legend. So she makes the point that their team actually has its own iconic idolatry going on. And, of course, Amadeus and Hercules have a brief moment where they kind of bond again because they had a bad breakup a few issues ago. And, of course, they set out on this incredible fight. And the whole plot breaks down to be essentially the Trojan horse. Which I think is just truly wonderful, in that the Greek gods didn't catch the Trojan horse the second time around. Those guys. And of course, yeah, there's a big fighty-fighty, and it turns out that Ares doesn't get involved because they called in a favor, and Aphrodite has taken him into uh, her bed to distract him. She's like, oh, yeah, sex and violence together again. It's a good line. Nice. And then, of course, the battle kind of we fade to black with the appearance of Thanatos, the god of death. God of death. Who, who, whose appearance means that somebody is going to die. <gasps> the rest of the, I know. Will you stop that? Wait, the rest of the issue. Isn't Thanatos the guy who's voiced by Riker from uh, Star Trek? Star Trek? 
That joke was for the benefit of the five fans of Gargoyles in the audience. Yeah, that's right. That's for you guys and me. There's six of us. You are not in the audience, Nimrod. I, I, I am while you're talking. <laughs> the back part of the issue is a short story featuring the agents of Atlas, who once again have not officially been canceled, but are on hiatus and are appearing as a backup story in this book and also in a series of one-shots. And they managed to snatch Venus... Who is not Aphrodite, mind you. Aphrodite is a goddess. Venus is actually a siren. And uh, they have a fighty fighty. And then there's a whole bunch of creatures and some skeletons out of a George Powell movie who are going to kill the Agents of Atlas. Dun, dun, dun! <gasps> the appearance of the Agents of Atlas in this book earns it an additional star for me. That in and of itself is wonderful. But Incredible Hercules has been delightful for a long time. Cool. Um, What's the most delightful thing about it? Greg Pak and Fred Van Lent are the writers. It's really wonderful to see Hercules not necessarily taken seriously because he still has, you know, the drink, drink, drink mentality. And he's still occasionally kind of a dullard. Right. But there were a few moments uh, in a previous issue where he and Thor were fighting. And Thor was pretending to be Hercules and Hercules was pretending to be Thor. And Hercules says to Thor, you're Hercules, damn it, embrace the role. So... Thor kicked him in the balls. Nice. <laughs> Hercules has a place in the Pantheon, and Hercules has a place in the Marvel Universe, and it's that really strong guy who likes to drink and likes the women and occasionally cheats and fights. And it works because they're not trying to make him anything that he's not. They're actually celebrating everything that Hercules, even the, the, the mythical Hercules, would really stand for. The mythical Hercules was kind of a jerk. And then you take Amadeus Cho and throw him in there and you have, you know, this brilliant little counter voice where it's kind of like uh, a tag team I used to have in the WIBWF called Mind Over Matter, where one guy was big and dumb and strong and the other guy was ridiculously slow but smart as hell. And together they were unstoppable. Hmm. It's kind of like that. We, we got on a wrestling track and it was all over. Uh, this issue is a four and a half, a four and a half slice of meatloaf affair for me. I like the art quite a bit. I love the fact that the agents of Atlas are in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, the women are just really, really adorable. Even Aphrodite kind of trolloping it up half naked is really, really, really well drawn. Uh, the artist, I believe, is um, Steve Buscemi. No. Someone named Buscemi. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> forgive me if you're listening to the podcast. I'm filtering through the pages. Why I gotta be Mr. And... Pink? <laughs> Why the other gotta... guy's Mr. Purple? You're Mr. Pink! <laughs> Rodney Buscemi did the art in this issue, and he does really well. He's got a very clear style, kind of a, a John Romita uh, influence going on. John Romita Sr., little bit of john Byrne. it's a nice look the agents of atlas is just beautiful at the mm-hmm. back cool incredible hercules is one of those titles that for a while now i won't say it can't miss because there have been issues that were less but incredible herc has been on a really really long streak of excellence for me and again it's like rodrigo made the point that marvel has made their heroes successful by making them not superheroes Mm-hmm. Hercules is not a story about a superhero. It's a story about Hercules and a friendship and maybe some weird stuff going on, you know? 
So I I really enjoyed this book. I give it a four out of five stars. And then I talk like Peter Griffin's housekeeper. <laughs> no. 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 All right. Thank you, Matthew. Uh, this I week, this week, I cracked open Superman's Secret Origin number three by the 2009 Spike TV Scream Award winning Jeff John's Best Comic Book Writer. Scream Award! Ah! So th- we finally got to the point in Clark Kent's life where he leaves the small town and heads to the big city. Or now, Matthew, as I like to call it. 1984. Matthew, when you were a young lad, you uh, decided to to take off to New York. I New did. York City? Yes, Brooklyn. What what was City. your what was your experience the first time you were in Brooklyn? Was it was weird. Were you were you walking around looking up and kind of, my god, look at all these big buildings. I do that in Topeka. <laughs> um, so, so yes, in fact, that was the case. That and, is it's a really overwhelming sort of uh, town, really. Oh, I'm sure it is. And I'm sure the same would be said for Metropolis if you were Clark Kent. And well, They say that Metropolis is New York north of 138th Street. Right. And anything south of that is Gotham City. So. Uh, although, for whatever reason, if you read the DC uh, Atlas, it says Metropolis is in, uh, is in Maryland. Yes. And, and uh, Gotham City is in New Jersey. God, New Jersey. So anyway, Clark goes to the big city, and this is the thing that's really interesting about how people handle the Clark Kent Superman appearances. Super Kent? In that Clark Kent in the first half of this issue, maybe the first three-fourths of this issue, plays the bumbling, stumbling country boy. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if Johns is writing him as... He's really right. throwing he himself Superman into this Clark, character. Yeah. Is he really throwing himself into this character? Or is this the first time that Cal-El has been to a big city and he's taken in awe by it? You know, he's been brought up to be a good person. And so he's going to try to help people wherever he can. He tries to help a woman he bumps into in the street who drops her cell phone. And she's like totally shocked that he's trying to help and thinks he's trying to steal things. And what were you looking up for? What are you from the country? You're not from Metropolis. Are you just this crouchy old crabby woman? And he's being friendly to people on the street and they're being rude back to him and he's being taken advantage of. And it's just, it's a really cool look at the, and let me just say this, the Christopher Reeve, Clark Kent from the Mm. Superman movies. And it's probably that, that reason why he's drawn that way in the books too. Uh, looks just like Christopher Reeve. Hmm. Now, wasn't Jeff Johns an assistant to Richard Donner? At I don't. One point? I don't know. I don't know his whole I be- history. I believe he was. He worked with Richard Donner on something, and I think Jeff Johns is very sold on the Superman movie. Well, at least the su- first two Superman movies mm-hmm. as being canonical, right? And and that's fine. I guess I don't have. A super big problem with that, but I'll get to that in a moment when my nerd rage comes out. What I like about this first part of the story is Clark Kent is going to Metropolis to work for the Daily Planet. And in the Superman movies, the Daily Planet that we encounter in that movie is not... I mean, it's a major paper that's doing just fine, and it's got huge offices. And even in the Superman Returns movie, it's a big glistening building with the big globe on top. We find in in Secret Origins number three that... Because of Lois Lane's reporting of Lex Luthor and many other stories that they've done, 
that the paper is on the verge of bankruptcy. I mean, the first shot that we see of the Daily Planet, part of the lettering on the building has rusted and corroded. We're told that the uh, planet on top of the building has rusted into place. The revolving door is cracked and broken. There's graffiti sprayed all over the place. It is not a very pleasant place to work, and they're on their last days. And we get introduced to the Perry Whites and the Jimmy Olsen and the Lois Lane and, and a bunch of other characters, Cat Grant and um, uh, Steve, what's his name? Uh, the athlete guy. Steve Lombard. Lombard. Lombard, yeah. Betty Brandt? No, not Betty Brandt. Cat Grant. Um, and Clark is assigned to go with Lois to cover a Lex Luthor event, something that the Daily Planet staff have been banned from permanently that no one's allowed past. And so Lois being Lois throws on a little disguise, tricks Clark into uh, being the fall guy for the guard so that she can slip in. And for this first part of the story, you know, it's wonderful. There's great exchanges. There's great dialogue. It's great to see these characters fresh. If these were, you know, a, a fresh new start of the character, a fresh reboot of the series. Anybody, anybody see Superman, the animated series mm-hmm. in the very first movie, the first three or four episodes of that, uh, Lex Luthor unveils a power suit, this big hulking power suit that um, the guy who will become Metallo. Who? What's Metallo's real name, Matthew? John Corbin. John yeah, Corbin. John Corbin pilots. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what kind of uh, what kind of technology is Lex Luthor unveiling at this press conference? Big green power suit. A big military power suit. That's is it a using- Dyson? That's using, no, it is purple, though. It's got the, the some couple purple balls, but it's purple, white, and green. But it's using some new metal. It's using some new metal called Metallo. Um, yeah, what? This, it's using some new metal called Metallo. When he said that, I thought he meant like NU metal. No, no, Like no. it's powered by. Yeah, the nth metal, no. no. New metal, no. It's called, it's powered by Metallo. Is the. Thought he meant it was powered by, uh, you know, the yeah, Limp Biscuit. Like, <laughs> uh, this New is Earth. this is the device that we see in Superman the animated series. Now they're on top of Lex Lex Core and uh, Professor what's his name, Professor Shiny Baldhead guy, uh, is demonstrating that this super suit is light as as aluminum, but twice as strong, a million times stronger. In that a helicopter lifts off from the roof of the building. And the giant robot arm grabs a hold of it, and it doesn't go away. And then Lois Lane is discovered, and in her attempt to escape, she accidentally trips and causes some destruction. She falls off the top of the building, at which point Clark Kent, down on the ground, has to turn into Superman. And there's a great bit where he's ripping open the shirt. Nothing wrong with that. That's very iconic. And then he goes up, and he catches Lois Lane in mid-flight, and he's like, Hi, nice view from up here, huh? And then look out, look out, whoever you are, flying man, as there's a helicopter about to fall on them. And Superman grabs the helicopter with one hand and sets it gently on the ground. And before anyone can say anything, he flies off. Now that is directly out of the Superman movie. Yeah. This is where my little nerd rage comes out. And I guess that if you're going to put a sticker on here that says Jeff Johns is the best comic book writer, you probably ought to not do it on a on an issue where he is... Uh, some Wholesale. people will say paying homage, homage to something straight out of the movie, because a lot of people are going to well, say, wait a minute, that's like out of the movie, the helicopter catch and the, the thing and the thing and then the flying off thing. And I guess that's what I have a problem with the back half of the book is that it's OK. 
let's take these other moments from other movies and television shows and cobble them together and put them in. And that is, that's this new origin of Superman. And I guess in that manner of thinking, I should be able to go back and cobble pieces from all the great movies of history and write them into my own thing. In fact, I think that's what it's going to be. Rodrigo. Citizen, I think it's going to be it's going to be Citizen Luthor. Citizen Ben-Hur Luthor. Yes, and it's going to be it's going to be a look back at Lex Luthor's life and it's going to open up at the beginning where there's this man in bed and you just hear him go Krypton. <laughs> and you see this little glass globe of Metropolis, this snow globe fall onto the ground and break open and shatter and that's going to lead to the search of what does he mean by Krypton? This may be years after Superman has disappeared and mm-hmm. now we have to go back and tell the story of this one point where Somebody thought they were going to unmask Superman, mm-hmm. and they thought it was going to be Clark Kent. But then these people stood Superman up from the background. Wear a mask, Stephen. Well, they're going to uncover him as Clark Kent as Superman. Right. But then all of these other people start standing up from the crowd, going, "No, I am Superman. I am Superman. No, I am, I Superman. am Superman. I am Superman. I am Garth Algar." <laughs> uh, up until these points, those two points just ruined this issue for me because I'm like, really. Really? It's bad enough that you keep using Christopher Reeve's likeness in the book, which I know bothers a lot of people. Some people it doesn't. Some people think it's wonderful, and that's fine. But I know some people are just like, really? Uh, and I kind of felt that way after reading the last last quarter of this book. There is a great bit, though, that closes out the issue, where we flash back to, uh, to uh, Bo, Bo Duke, or is it Luke Duke? I forget which one. Uh, sitting on the porch with with Clark saying, hey, if you want to go to the big city and you want to use your powers and do all these things, that's great. But remember, you can't put the genie back in the bottle once it's opened. And then f- we flash back forward to Superman flying around and realizing, oh, my gosh, I've just come out as this superhero in front of all of these people. I think I made a big mistake. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a really cool close. But it's just those moments in the book that bother me uh, the most. I think the the art, though, Gary Frank and... Uh, and uh, John Sibal or Cybal, uh, I think the art is wonderful. I really like Sibyl. it. I really, really he, like it. He actually has sixteen different art styles. Um, but it's the it's the it's the Christopher Reeve in the movie, and let's pull from another other sources, and let's call it an homage. Uh, but let's try to call it my own work that bothers me, mm-hmm. and therefore the issue can only get four slices of meatloaf out of five. May I say two things? Yes, you may. First, they don't say he's the best writer. They say that the Spike TV Scream Awards voted right, him the best right, writer. Right, 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 And second, let's say you only know Superman from the Richard Donner film. Right. Or you only know Superman from the Bruce Tim cartoon. Right. Yay. And you are now thinking about, hey, I might go buy this whole DC comic thing, but it's like four bucks. I mean... Why would I? I don't know. Is it going to be something I'll wait? I recognize that battle suit from the cartoon. Sure. And or the catching of the thing. I think it's it's cross promotional synergy more than it is, you know, an homage. I think they're trying to streamline the various permutations of Superman into one character. And that's fine. Whether whether they homogenize it or not is one thing. I think. Well, first of all, this is one issue of what, 12? Uh, six. Three of six. Six. Three of six. Okay. So, have we uh, have we seen this in previous issues of, of Superman's Secret Origin? We have, what have we seen? We saw the, um... 
Yeah, yeah, we saw the, the tornado. We saw the tornado. We saw that tornado scene where he first learns to fly to rec, uh, rescue Lo, uh, Lana Lang. That was in that uh, first or second season of Smallville, and I pointed that, that out. Season, well, it doesn't okay. matter. It's from Smallville. Okay. Uh, I believe we had mentioned that the cool thing about the second issue that ha- featured the Legion of Superheroes is that we saw that scene flipped around 180 degrees of the first meeting. And that was kind of cool, but we knew that it came from the first appearance of the Legion of Superheroes in the Superman book. But it's well, just technically it came from Adventure Comics. Well, where, wherever it came from, where, wherever it came from. The point is that if, <coughs> if and I understand, and I, you know, there's probably people that will say, "Oh no, we're not writing this book to kind of rewrite the origin, so we can we can get out of this uh, this lawsuit that we're certainly under." But it certainly seems that man. Let's redo the origin just at a time when we're facing legal ramifications. And let's Didn't try to cram just in... redo the origin? Well, who knows, what, ni- 1984 or whatever it was? No, I'm talking like 2004, oh, 2005. Yeah, yeah. Didn't Mark Wade write Superman Birthright? Yeah, you're right. All I'm saying is it's good except for those three things. And that's why it got... Four slices of meatloaf out of four things. Our fourth weapon is fear, surprise, ruthless efficiency, and an almost fanatical devotion to the works of Richard Donner. Yes. Yes. Five. Five things. Slick page count. Amongst our weaponry. You know, it's like I said, it's a it's a good it's a good story. I really liked it. At the end, I was like, wow, that's really a good story. These things bother me. And that's why, as a reviewer, I am knocking it down from Five slices to four slices. Hmm. But it was out last week, Superman Secret Origin. I can't wait to join all the covers together so I can see the big picture. Ooh. Yes. I'll bet you it's a picture of Superman. Well, it'll be a big diorama thing. All right, Rodrigo, you've got an independent comic for us this week. Although although Boom Studios has said, prove us wrong, Diamond. We're going to prove Diamond wrong and and prove that they're going to jump out with some fantastic books that make it up into i don't know if they said the top 10 or where but they're wanting to really push these boom titles mm-hmm. really hard in the next year into the stratosphere into the stratosphere which brings us to dingo number one okay and the baby yeah, pre- pretend like we go on for 10 minutes with this um <laughs> matthew just might yeah dingo number one it's it's pretty interesting if you look at the cover. It's a guy with a gigantic dog, so you think you know maybe that's the dingo, but no, the guy is the dingo. Really? Yes. The guy's nickname is Dingo, and um, <laughs> there's there might be a place where you find out his real name, but everybody everybody calls him Dingo. Um, Who is this man, Dingo? D i n g o d i n g o d i n g o. That's right. Um, he. <laughs> Because otherwise we'll never move on. Um, we are first introduced to Dingo as he is being whipped by a dominatrix um, and gets a phone call from his rock star brother who's like, hey man, I just sold the car and the box is inside. Yeah, okay. And he's like, oh no, not the box. So Dingo has to go out and get the box. Um As I started reading this, I wasn't sold on it. I was like, eh, you know, this is... Uh, I don't know about the writing. The art is the art is good, but what what kind of got me into this story? Um, there was 
all these like weird descriptions and it seemed a little too artsy for the kind of comic it was. But then it just, uh, well, this is basically what got me into it. Dingo goes out and finds the Rockstar Brothers assistant. Uh-huh. And when we first see her, there's this text box that is Dingo thinking, she was pretty by most standards, gorgeous by others, but her beauty was like a rare and exotic bird she kept caged behind the bars of her perfect teeth. It flew away the second she opened her mouth. <laughs> that sold it for you? Yep, and I was like, oh, awesome. <laughs> All right, cool, I'm in. Um, we uh, go on to find out that the uh, car was sold to a guy in Las Vegas, so Dingo has to fly out there. He gets lost in the desert, um, or not fly, but drive. Right. He's lost in the desert, his car breaks down, and he runs into this gas station... And at this gas station, somebody left the dog, and it's like this gigantic Hound of the Baskervilles-looking <laughs> dog. Um, and he won't let anyone near him, and the guy's like, he's been here for days, nobody's fed him, and he's still there. You know, it's he's uh, he's been out in, like, 100-degree weather, right. and nothing's happened to him. Right. And he, you know, Dingo talks about how, like, he realizes what's wrong with the dog is that it's not panting. Like, it doesn't make, like, he's out in the sun, and it's not panting. Mm-hmm. Um, so Is it a dog from hell? We don't know yet. Dingo gets close to him. The dog lets him. He unchains him from when, where, where, where somebody left him, and he just takes the dog along, and is, you know, he's basically driving around with this enormous monster dog. Excellent. So he gets to the guy. The guy's like, he's like, did you open the box? The guy's like, no, I did not open no box. And he's like, did you open the box? <laughs> Okay, maybe I open the box a little bit. It's like, no! <laughs> and this is when you open the box, this gold ray comes out and... And you don't find out what's inside. Well, you don't yeah. find out what's inside. Oh. But apparently, it's something mystical because this wispy, dark woman of the night shows up uh, with her thugs. And she's like, give me the box, dingo! And he's like, no, I will not give you the box. The box is mine. No, it is not. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> and then they fight. Um, <laughs> at which point Dingo gets his ass handed to him until the dog saves him. Um, Does the dog rip people yeah, the limb dog from limb, just, eviscerate just them? Just annihilates both of the guys that are beating up Dingo. But um, this chick who we find out is Dingo's ex-wife, so apparently he married uh, some kind of vampire monster. She's really literally a yeah. monster? Okay. Well, she's clearly supernatural. Okay. Um, Although we don't see, I mean, like... Her hair does weird things. And, you know, like, she's clearly drawn to not look completely human. Okay. Um, and he makes a reference to her being something. And I didn't I didn't quite catch uh, exactly what a reference that was to. I need to, like, go in and do some research. Or not. And wait for somebody to write in and tell me. <laughs> or somebody shouting at their yeah. iPod right now. Yep. Just if you scream it loud enough, I'll hear it. Back through time. <laughs> Hello, future people. Hello, future people. Um, this was pretty interesting. I was I was in it the whole the whole way through. I'm curious to find out what's in the box. Hopefully, he's not with Alger's head. <laughs> um, they make a reference as to you know, it's like oh ho ho. Wait till you find out why they call him Dingo. Um, I'm curious about that. I'm curious because the the box is a family <laughs> secret. I'm curious to see what it is that his family does or has done or something like that. I think um, the box has Meryl Streep's baby in it. It might. 
Um, it might also just be a MacGuffin. But yes. that doesn't matter quite as much because the characters are pretty interesting so far. I'm curious to see what exactly is going on. Um, I will give this issue three and a half slices of meatloaf. Um, it's pretty solid. I like the art. Um, it is good. Um, there was and something I liked else, it. And I liked it. There was something else that I liked about it, but I can't remember it now because I have forgotten. Oh, yeah. It's not Kill Audio. So... Um, <laughs> 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 so yes, three and a half slices of meatloaf for uh, Dingo number one. Pick it up. Go, 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 yeah. Go flip through it. Just flip through it. If you like the art, pick it up. I would say it's 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 good times. Excellent. You can find many more reviews over at the Majorspoilers.com website. Matthew transition. He said, hinting broadly. And when the reviews are done. The lunacy begins. It's time. What? You mean it's just now beginning? I do not consider you nerd raging because you saw a scene in a movie once to be <laughs> really. I saw this movie. This is the worst episode ever. <laughs> when are you going to open the Android's dungeon, by the way? Oh, boy. You <laughs> just wait. I'm waiting. Waiting for my uh, rat you know, tail to go I work out. at the comic store. Yes. And you, sir, are no comic book guy. <laughs> Thank God. I worked with the comic book guy. It's time <laughs> for the million digressions in attendance and the thousands of lost topics listening at home. It's time. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Matthew Vamps to come up with something to say. It's time. I just had a flashback to the days when this open was actually funny. <laughs> hey, when we could just like go back to just saying poll of the week over and over again. Poll of the week. Poll of the week. Poll of the week. The major spoilers. Poll of the week. Poll of the week. Poll of the week. Matthew, what is the poll this week? Wait, that's the news. I forgot to do the news. Crap cakes. Reviews. Just throw it all no, in. Just get get all the get all the sound bites out of the way. Hello, future people. Oh, Kershaw, Matthew Spillick. And hello, I'm the Papa. And that is a major spoilers <laughs> podcast in one minute. <laughs> Goodbye, ladies and gentlemen. This week. Did I tell you they canceled Legends of the Dark Knight? (laughs) (laughs) You're number one, Rodrigo. You're number one. And I'll tell you something else, too. The same thing goes for Christmas. Son of a monkey. I can't get it to come up. This week's major spoilers. Poll of the week, 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 week. Actually, that sounded like I just died on Super Mario Party. Um. Anyway. Regards you, the faithful spoilerites, and or those listening who may or may not be spoilerites, your mileage may vary, not valid in all 27 states. What do you do with your comics once you purchase them? Each week, we have that wonderful moment of, oh, this is all going to be great, and then we come home and we stack them in order of the way we want to read them, and then we're horribly disappointed, and we go on the websites and we spit bile about Brian Michael Bendis and Jeff Johns. But what happens then? 
what do you do with the comics when your nerd rage has subsided? Nerd rage, by the way, is like nerd rage, only, you know, mispronounced. Yeah, this one we can register and trademark. Nice. Indeed. We'll just call it nerd for short. What do you do with your comics? Do you bag and board? Do you bag but not board? Do you put them in boxes unbagged and not boarded? Do you do absolutely nothing with them? Or, as some call it, being a Philistine. Or perhaps a Philistine. And now the website freezes up, and I'm not sure what the fifth option is. Trash and Trash or and, donation. Yeah, exactly. Because you know there Smash are some people that do that. Those people are bigger people than me. I can barely stand to sell the comics I hate. Really? What do you, Steven Schleicher, do uh, with your comics? Eventually, eventually they all end up bagged and boarded. Problem is... In my busy time, I think one of our posters even commented uh, in the comment section about this. Uh, they start out on like the kitchen table until his wife gets mad at him. Mm -hmm. And then they go down into his comic book room where they sit in a pile until two years later he finally gets around to bagging and boarding them. That's kind of where I'm at. You they, eventually, they eventually get bagged and boarded, but until I can get them into the catalog system and in the bags, which I'm making progress on, by the way. They are this is why the cataloging system was a bad idea. No, the catalog system's a great idea because when it came time for me to find the uh the book that we're reviewing next week, bingo, there it is, there it is, found it. Uh so they do get bagged and boarded eventually, but right now they're in boxes out of protection. Got to use protection, my friend. I know that's what they say. You'll regret it if you don't. Rodrigo, what do you do? Um a little bit of everything. <laughs> Um, he deletes the PDF after illegally downloading. <laughs> I do not illegally download them. I download them perfectly legally from the... Uh, oh, I should say FTC. Uh, yes, the uh, Dingo number one yes, was a complimentary review, digital copy, blah, 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 Studios. There you go. Yeah, but I paid for my book. But the baby was free. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have all... My old X-Men comic books are either just bagged or bagged and boarded. Um, and by, by old, I do mean from the 90s. <laughs> I mean, by Ooh. old, I mean from the time Cable where I stopped. One. Do you reading, have that one where like, Cyclops is, becomes possessed by uh, Apocalypse? and Where he merges with big... Apocalypse? That's, yeah, that's, the about the, that's about the end. That's about where I stopped. Uh, that's, well, that's where my subscription to X-Men ran out. So And I just didn't renew it. Because I was, for a while, I was like, eh, you know, I don't think I'm liking these issues anymore. Anyway. Um, nowadays, because I really am not subscribing and not picking up any issue regularly, mm -hmm. the comic books that I do go out and find, a lot of the time I just leave them. Um, I, I stick them on a shelf or something like that. Right. I don't bag and board them because they're kind of random, isolated issues anyway. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, Dark Tower, Volume 1, Number 3, Wizard of Oz, Volume 1, Number 1. You know, just kind of kicking around all right. over the place. Um, and actually, there's a, a friend of mine. Um, her daughter is really into the Wizard of Oz. So I've been like looking for all the random issues that I found. And it's essentially like a donation. I'm going to give them to her because, cool. you know, she's really into it. Yeah. So I kind of live, leave them around, put them in bags, depending on, you know, what moment I came into contact with the book. All right. Cool. Matthew, I just buy trade paperbacks. Matthew, what about oh. you? 
Well, as with anything related to comics, there are actually several subtle shades of comics for me. Um, that if we're talking about, say, my collection of Defenders, I have a complete run of Defenders Volume 1. They are bagged. They are boarded. The bags get changed about every five years, and they are kept in an acid-free collector's box. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a, that's a heavy-duty collector book. Um, on Wednesdays, I go to the store. I get my books. I come home. I read them. I stick some in the review pile, some in the rapid-fire review pile. Some go straight into a box. Those will get a bag immediately. Mm-hmm. A book that I'm particularly fond of will always get a board. Because um, I, I find that when you're storing books, if you have a whole bunch of bag books, you want to have a board once in a while. Yeah. Um, I bought a copy of X-Men 44 not so long ago that I made sure was double boarded. Um, once they're actually going into the collection, when they're being, you know, alphabetized and figure out where they go, it kind of depends on how much I liked it. Uh, which is weird. You know, the first five issues of the Jim Lee X-Men books are bagged but not boarded. Mm-hmm. Whereas um, the six issues um, of, say, Video Jack that Keith Giffen did in 87, not really a valuable book, but I liked it, so it gets a board. Mm. I bag everything. I board the majority of it, but since boards are more expensive... Yeah, they are. Yeah, you can't always have enough boards to go with the bags. And I buy bags by the case, pretty much. I need to get I'll to read that a- point because that's how far behind I am. I'm about two Since we moved into this house, that's how far behind I am on the collection. Yeah. Well, so and I read between worth. probably 10 and 20 books every week. So, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, I've got some serious work. I can fill a long box in three, four months. And especially now that, you know, it's related to the website and it's actually a, a job. Yes. I try and be a little more steady about it. And one of the problems that I find now is because on Sundays my job is to bag and board back issues, mm-hmm. it's hard to motivate myself to do it at home with my collection. Yeah. So I just try to keep the bags near my general storage area. There is a a long box right now next to my computer table where I am working and where I do my reviews. When that long box is filled, it goes into the nerd room. Um, I think I've got like two of them that I haven't really gone through yet. I haven't honestly shuffled through everything and bagged and bored everything since we moved a couple of years ago. Yeah, that's the same way with me. And it's just it's terrible, but I'm trying to work through it because I want that room to shine. So I can show yeah. new pictures to everybody up on the website. But, you know, last week we had mentioned this and I'd mentioned the long boxes. I went and did my count. 45 long boxes in the room. Mm. All of them full except for three, which are halfway full. And That's a lot of Batman. You know, it's really funny. Uh, the Batman run takes up about six long boxes. That includes Robin, Detective, Batman, Catwoman, all of that stuff. The rest of it is like... Teen Titans, Justice League, The Flash. The Flash. The Flash takes up about three or four boxes too. So it's really? uh, Are you using long boxes? Long boxes. I transitioned out of long boxes because of the well, weight. I should say they are the um oh gosh dang it, the drawer boxes Sleeve is boxes. what they are. They're drawer, drawer boxes. boxes, yeah. Uh the official are they drawer boxes. Full drawer boxes or do you have like dividers? As far as, what do you mean, like dividers in the... Uh, well, you said you had 45 long boxes. Are right. they all, are each of them full, full? Yes, except for three of them, which are halfway full. This implies that your collection may actually be larger than mine, unless the, the drawer box long boxes don't hold as no, much. No, they're, the they're the same size. That's the scary part. And I have 53 short boxes and only yeah. six or seven long boxes now. Yeah, 
And it's the the funny thing is I found over the last four years I've purchased more comic books and it's since the website started than I did in the previous twenty five years. Nice. You know what I found? What's that? Since the website started, I have actually I think it's five long boxes worth of wow. stuff I have taken and sold to either gatekeeper or the local used bookstore or just donated to the library. Well, and that's the next thing I'm getting because ready to do. I'm, I'm, I'm reading so much now that even if I read through a complete six issue limited, I may not want to keep it. Yes. And in recent months, as I, you know, try and get my nerd room actually unpacked since we moved into this apartment two years ago in June, um, I'm trying to actually finish, you know, before we move to our next apartment, <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm going through my old issues and I'm finding things that I'm like, you know what? I don't need that anymore mm-hmm. and transition that into a sale box or a, a, yes. a, a donate box. And, and I, th- I think I'm going to do the same disturbing thing. to me. Well, I think I'm going to do it's the same thing. It's weird to me to be at a point where my books, you know, become pretty much many of them become disposable. I think I've reached the point where my collection is, is so overwhelming. Yes. That, you know, I, I can't keep on top of the bagging and the boarding. I mean, yes. the, of the options that you've given, bag only is probably the truest option. I did choose bag and board because that is what I do primarily. Mm-hmm. Um, in boxes, but no protection is bad both for the books and for the boxes. I don't know if you've ever stored books just face down in boxes, but you get rub from the yeah. book underneath. Yeah. And I, I had a horrifying moment the other day where we we got a... JLA number 75, which I believe is the issue where a black canary came from Earth 2 to join. Mm-hmm. It had been stored unbagged, and you could clearly see the evil Knievel comic ad from the oh, book yeah. that had been in front of it. Ooh, yeah. there, was a, there was a pressure transfer on the front of this book. Yeah. What could have been a $2,200 book was you know, a 2.0 because it had been stored unbagged and was mm-hmm. eventually badly damaged. So. Well, I guess you know, when it goes in, in my collection, when you go back that far, yes, then you're then you're looking at stuff that's been in bags, and in some cases, they were bought and have not even been opened yet because I knew that this was a a quality copy that I had bought, and if I was going to drop that much money, I've probably read it, read it in a digital form and that kind of stuff. So I'm looking at the collector stuff from there, but you know, stuff from the '90s on, a lot of those are not worth a whole lot of money. So I'm getting to the mm-hmm. point now that once I get this room organized. I'm a big fan of a lot of these absolute editions and these collector's editions. I've got the first three libraries of the Hellboy stuff. I might just sell the single issues of the Hellboy stuff wow. that, I've got a, that I have in the trade. And if I can make some money off of them, great. But, you know, if I need it for a reference or something, I've got it in this bound collection. Yeah. And so, you know, I guess it's each their own, but it looks like 48% of the major spoilers responders say bag and yep. board. So With, that's 250 people, so easily 130, well, 125 people. Yeah. Uh, right behind that, what I'm seeing, inboxes but no protection, 21%. Right. You people, I want you to know that there's nothing wrong with you. You're probably good people, <laughs> but don't do that to your poor books. Those of uh, you who I, don't I, protect your bo- your comic books make Matthew cry. No, be, here's the thing. There are pretty much three basic reasons to get into comic collecting. One, you love comics and everything about them. Two, you want to make some money off comics. Or three, you just want to read something nice. Or four, you're OCD, and that's my problem. No, that's under number one. In either of those ways, if you stick something in a long box with no protection, you're going to damage the book, 
And you're probably going to eventually end up with, you know, if you're in it for the money, you've lowered your money. If you're in it for the reading, you've damaged the book, and you're lowering the number of readings you can get out of it. If you love comics and everything about them, spring for a bag and board like a big boy, eat the five bucks, put on your big boy pants, and learn to deal. Yeah. Fourteen uh, percent said leave them where they lay. Fifteen percent bag only. Two percent actually trash or donate their comics. Hopefully, more donate than trash. But I mean, they're all valid options. I would mm -hmm. say it kind of depends on how you came into comics, whether you can afford bags. I'll tell you a story if you want, since we've only talked about this for 19 minutes. When I started collecting comics, I couldn't afford bags and boards, but I was a newspaper carrier. Mm -hmm. Now, back oh, in the yeah, day, yeah. I remember that collection. Back in the day, your Sunday newspapers, if it was raining, you could put them in a little orange wrapper. And I happened to get hundreds and hundreds of those orange wrappers. They were precisely the right uh, dimension to stick a comic book inside these books. So I yeah. used those as my protective bags. Now, they were bright orange and they were acidic as all hell. And I'm sure some of these old books you know, that I have have shown some damage. My Marvel Spotlight Number 5 is probably the most notable book that I had in an orange bag. But yeah. You know, it was one of the things that I did because I knew I wanted to protect the books, but, you know, it's Beloit, Kansas. Where are you going to buy comic book bags when you're 14 in Beloit, Kansas? Exactly. You I might remember well that collection when you were in college because I remember you showed me the drawer cabinet with all these yep. orange bag comic books, so. Yeah, I, I transitioned out of that. Yeah. All right, everybody, you I, can head over to the Majorspoilers.com website. You can cast your vote and let your voice be heard, and we're going to be right back after we hear from this person. Boys, this is Mrs. Disaster. I just got done listening to the uh, podcast about gift giving geek, and I just have to tell you, I thought it was wonderful. I thought I had some really great ideas, but I already know how to shop for my geek. What you need to do is a gift giving guide for the geek, teaching them how to buy gifts for others. Because I'm telling you, if I get another copy of some comic book that he wants to read, I will kill him. Anyway, have a great day, you guys. Talk to you later. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you That's so much funny. for that, Mrs. Otter Disaster. Uh, she's actually Mrs. Disaster. <laughs> Otter is her maiden name. Um, but this is the thing, Mrs. Disaster, and I don't think I'm, you know, I'm giving anything away by saying that her name may or may not be Sarah. She makes a good point. If you, well, this is a rule of married life. You don't give the wife a present that no. you want. Any more than you give the wife a present that you want her to use. You don't give your wife a vacuum to clean your house <laughs> any more than you give someone else a present that you want to read. So, you know, this is the thing about Otter Disaster, though. He's a little bit oblivious. Man writes a good comic strip, but, yeah, don't give somebody a gift because you want to borrow it from them yeah, later. Yeah, no, that's terrible. <laughs> that's a terrible idea. It's, yeah. that's, that is... It really... See, I, I have this this rule. The situation could backfire in a sitcom. Don't do it. This is where uh, you know Wilma gets the bowling ball and she becomes a better bowler than than she ah. actually uses it and becomes a better bowler than Fred. Yeah, yeah. Um, if it's if it applies sitcom logic, don't do it. L lessons. It's to just live like by. the one where where Joey says opposite is opposite and puts on all of Chandler's clothes. Yes. Could I be wearing any more clothes? <laughs> yes, exactly. Maybe if I weren't going commando, <laughs> maybe I should do some lunges. They, it's a good point. Um, 
Well, the sitcom logic is always a good point because I know that once my friend and I, we decided that we were going to open a, a small airport in uh, New England. And, <laughs> of course, wacky people just gathered around us. And we were going to call it Wings, but we decided, you know, that would be a little tacky. So people would think it was we called restaurant. it Icky, 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 Patang, Dubu. Si tiene comentarios o sugerencias acerca de este podcast, puede hablar al 785-727-1939. Ese es el 785-727-1939. El hotline del Major Spoilers. All right. Thank you so much, Rodrigo. the line Hacienda? <laughs> La línea caliente del Major Spoilers. There we go. <laughs> All I know from Spanish, I actually learned from Olivia on the electric company. So. Nice. All right, everybody. In our time remaining. Rita Moreno. In our time remaining, we wanted to talk about Sin City, The Hard Goodbye. This is the story that kicked off the whole Sin City franchise, uh, serialized over 13 issues in Dark Horse Presents in, I forget what year, 1994 or something like that. 93, 94 in that neighborhood, I believe. Yeah, 92. Ooh, 92. Ooh, I'm way off on that. Yeah, I was saying 93, All right. so I'm closer. Uh, this is the story back. that if you've seen the movie, you've read the graphic novel. It is features Marv. This is the story all about how Marv's life got flipped, turned upside down. Oh, no, please continue. And he'd like to take a minute to just sit right there while he chops up Kevin and feeds his legs to a bear. <laughs> do 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 do. <laughs> Marv falls in love with a beautiful woman, makes love to her. She is dead, and he goes off. He's framed for her murder, and he goes off searching for the person that killed her. Along the way, we meet all sorts of people in the Sin City universe, including Nancy Callahan. Little Nancy Callahan. Little Nancy Callahan. She grew up. Yes, they do. Wait. She filled no. out. Sorry. Wrong reference. And then she was not just Cal. They keep, I keep getting older and they stay the same <laughs> age. Uh, which eventually oh, leads to the senator's, the senator's uh, son, cannibalism, murder, I mayhem. I know senator's son. Murder, mayhem, and blowing me. up yeah. of stuff. My mitts. So, we know the story. Yes. Let's discuss it. Okay. Okay, let's start at the beginning. All right. Let's suspend my disbelief for a minute. Okay. Which part? From the very beginning of this story, I am out simply because it starts at the point where Marv, who is a self-professed gargoyle, yep. has this incredibly gorgeous woman in his bed. Right. So there's never really given any explanation. I know they name check it in like chapter 13 because I read it in the individual issue form. Mm -hmm. But they name check it in like chapter 13 of why this happens. But it starts from a point where I'm just like, wait, why? They, they, they've they just met, apparently. In a bar. Right. And she's saying she loves him. And then they have, you know, they have the sex. And then she's dead. From, I mean, uh, this, this opening. kind of stuff happens to me all the time. <laughs> it feels like a MacGuffin. It feels a little bit like. I've woken up next to. <laughs> it feels like. Dead hookers aren't much fun, but that's not the point. It feels like that opening warm, was... Ah, three, two, one. <laughs> they won't come when you call. Now, the um, it's a Tom Lehrer joke for those of you paying attention. The pervs. Um, you take this beginning, and it really feels like we're going to take as many hard-boiled detective yes. cliches yes. as we can 
Uh, we have the liquor and we have the booze. We have the cheap motel. We have the hooker with the heart of gold. We have the, you know, the freakish man who has a history and, uh, you know, a, a history of violence. We're going to slap it all together and we're going to do some, okay, I'll say it. We're going to do some damn fine art, some really beautiful black and white yeah, you know, imagery. And then we're going to jack slap it and we're going to write some dialogue and pretend it makes sense. I th- I think there it makes go. sense. The thing that's really um, what I think is amazing about the book, not in that it makes it an extraordinary book, but the fact that the violence just keeps building and building and mm-hmm. building and oh my god, it's a cannibal. Oh my god, I'm going to cut him up with razor wire and feed him to his own dog. I'm going to blow the whole thing up to hell. It's just it just keeps building and building and building and Marv just does not go down. Yep. At all. And that's what I find is so incredible about each of the chapters. It's like, how can I crank this up one extra notch until by the end we are all the way up to 13? Uh and that's yep. what I find really fascinating about the story, even if we suspend all all the disbelief, all the the ways that this could happen. It is a pulpy, you know, story that yeah. The, the the hero is is a dupe, a dope, and gets tricked into doing these things. So it mm. now he wants vengeance. Yeah. So that's what I like about the stories. It just keeps building and gets more intense and more insane. But, but you have to understand that this one goes to eleven is a parody moment. It is a joke, and we're laughing at that character. And as this story progresses, to me, it doesn't feel so much like a story as a can we top this, you know, kind of a choose your own adventure involving boobies and blood. Hmm. There, there are, there are moments in here that I just don't get, uh, the moment with Lucille at the farm. Yeah. Lucille is apparently his doctor or his parole officer. Parole officer. Okay. Lucille is also this ridiculously hot girl. Right. As most women in city appear to be. Exactly. And they make a big point. And again, it's from Marv's perspective, and I can understand why he would say this. They make a big point of using the D word to describe her because she's a lesbian. Right. Fine. But we get to the point where they're there and, you know, there's this big shocking reveal and they're trapped and we don't know why they're trapped and she's naked and we don't know why they're naked. And then she reveals that Kevin cooked and ate her hand. And made me watch! It's so over the top that that sec that that section just made me giggle all the way through it where he's you know he's he's trying to put her in the coat and i'm just like that's funny he looks like he made a cheese you know it, it, it there's a fine line to me between gonzo and ludicrous and mm-hmm. This book really quickly. <laughs> oh man, I think it's a pretty broad line between the great Gonzo and Chris Ludacris. Yeah, exactly. But uh, this line, this line is crossed very early in this work, and it just keeps building, and they keep, you know, throwing more on the fire. And here's a kitchen sink. I guess. But I think if you th- uh, well, go ahead. I know I'm not the target audience, but. When someone says, you know, that Lucille is a dyke, I, I just kind of go, ooh, well, that, that's kind of, uh, you know. I, I, it's not supposed to be politically correct, and I know right. that. And it's not right. necessarily supposed to be approachable, but the flat, and there's, there's flat-out misogyny, and there's this really weird sort of 
Mar- Marv is is a protagonist in in the purest sense of the word, but he's not a good person. No, he's not. And when we get to the when we get to the end and this stuff happens, I'm I'm kind of looking at it and going, well, doesn't Marv kind of deserve to be executed in a way? I mean, he chopped a man up on panel. Yeah. I I, I guess I don't know. I guess I'm just uh, – I, I know I'm not the target audience. I've had this discussion with a lot of people who love Sin City. And there are some Sin City stories. The Babe War Red I kind of like, mm-hmm. and that yellow that yellow mustard isn't half bad. <laughs> but <clears throat> this one never really got me. Part of it, I think, is because of the extreme – uh, the extreme graphic techniques that he uses because it looks so, so beautiful. And it looks it does. so rendered. There's a moment uh, in, in episode 13 where Marv is about to embark on the whole thing, standing in this cramped little bathroom, mm-hmm. looking at himself in the mirror. And there's a panel where you see him and you see his reflection his and they face. cut to this wide shot. Yeah. And it's all texture and it's all done black and white there's no outlines it's literally just black and white well it's and that's all just this monochromatic and then he's like i throw up a couple of times and, and then i'm ready the the story and the art are on are, they're on like different planets the art is this you know this all i, I want to say delicate but I'm, I'm not even sure how to do it there's this 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 feel to the art that is just so balanced and so almost perfect and then you throw this story on it this uh hi i'm i'm a, I'm a, I'm a guy who likes to cut stuff in half it's like michelangelo drawing torque it doesn't mm. it doesn't really gel for me the story what i'm seeing and what i'm reading don't come together for me the the dialogue works for me up to a point. Anything that comes out of Marv's mouth, I can deal with because again, it's Marv's story, it's Marv's world. Right. But Marv Marv's perspective on that world isn't the one that we're seeing in the art. Marv talks about how he's this hideous, freakish mutant. Okay, I can see that. But if you look at the art, I mean, it's so detailed and it's so well rendered. Even though he's this ugly guy with a face like a like a, a cliff. You just look at that and go, man, that's beautiful. Yeah. The sequence where she's she's lying next to him. Yes, in the beginning. No, um, actually near the end where he's at Wendy's house. Goldie's oh, dead. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's lying the on the floor of the couch. Mm-hmm. And she's lying in the bed. And there's this moment where he's kind of peeking out of the corner of her eye and she's all naked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is an incredible, it's a beautiful piece. Although his feet look like they're backward. The, the two pieces of the, uh, the art is just fantastic in how that it was done. And I know that there was other stuff that was done before this. I mean, Ronan had been done black and white and, and right. uh, V for Vendetta had been done black and white and all that stuff. But the thing that just really struck me was how he can use the contrasting, you know, use lighting, mm-hmm. really true lighting to render the scene. And, and the thing that has struck me early on being that, you know, that horny teenager kind of guy. The Nancy, Boobies. the Nancy Callahan stuff, you know, here is this, and it's not the fact that here's, oh my God, here's a mainstream comic that has boobies and naked people in it, but the fact That's that, exactly what it was. but the fact that you look at this page where Nancy's doing her thing and you're like, if this were a spotlight or a rim light on this subject, this is exactly how she'd be lit. Mm-hmm. The hair, blonde hair would glow exactly that way if it's being hit hard. The outline of the body, 
perfectly formed in all of those areas. The hard shadows would be there in all of those areas. And that's the thing that I was just like, whoa, that is that is really fantastic. And then you jump again towards the end of the book where Marv is in the rain and how everything is just the slashes of uh-huh. the rain to create the form. And that was the other part of the book that just totally blew me away was how he rendered that scene in all rain. This is uh, chapter eight of the book. Uh, and I'm just, I found that fascinating in how he, how that was done. And those are the two moments in the book that really sold everything for me. The violence, a little off-putting for me, um, as probably it should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like you said, it is so over the top. It brings me back around to the, um, the all-star Batman and Robin, where it's just like the characters are totally like, people just don't get what's going on at the beginning until you get about chapter issue seven or something. And finally you realize that it's a, it's a build up to something really crazy and insane. Mm. And then it suddenly makes sense. And that's kind of how I felt about the story here. It, it's building up to something really big. And even though Marv is a terrible, terrible thing and he a person and he, uh, he gets his in the end, it's still an interesting story to read in that, I don't think anybody in this book is supposed to be likable. I don't think you're really supposed to like Marv. You, you see a man who's bent on revenge. It's kind of like the, the Parker story mm-hmm. that we read. Here's a man that's bent on revenge. He's not a good guy. He pushes women around, smacks them around. He just murders people just because he wants revenge. And that's who Marv is. And that's what I liked about the book. Rodrigo? Um, Like it? Dislike it? I liked it. Um, And it's... Partially, I mean, I think the art and the dialogue just kind of move this story elsewhere for me. It's mm-hmm. not, it's not realistic. You know, Marv is essentially, you know, once he gets his mind on figuring out who Goldie Skiller is, he's indestructible. He's, right. He's, he's like that dog with that single thing. Exactly. In his, get the he, bone. And, and he's, he's Jason you know, Voorhees. Yeah, you know he's gonna die at the end. Like his body's gonna give out, or they're finally gonna get to him. But he's gonna get his man. Um, and that's cool. And you know, approaching it from that perspective, you know, all the hyper violence, all the like uh, old, you know, hard boiled detective talk. Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, um, is yeah is put in that context of this weird anachronistic city um where people can jump out of the you know 10th story building and just land on their feet into a dead sprint and that's okay and um, you know swim. Not, not unlike some character that we've seen in a certain podcast right yes exactly um but within the context that. of of the of that universe it works. it works and that's what i think is is what works in this in sin city is the city is is an evil place. It's full of sin and vile. I mean, I don't know. Is there a Matthew? Do you remember in all of the, uh, all of the sin city tales? Is there a character who is totally heroic? Oh, no. Is there anybody who doesn't have a problem? Somebody there who is not above everyone else? No. So I think, I, I think the other thing that's rather interesting is maybe in 93, when this came out, if you're reading superhero comics, yeah, maybe you saw the issue where Superman goes and confronts the uh, spousal abuse issue. Or maybe you saw the one where uh, Batman is beating the crap out of some <laughs> child abuser, right? Um, <laughs> Sorry, I just... 
flashback to Superman confronting spousal abuse. Do you, do you remember that issue? Yes, it was terrible. I know. Well, so that's what that's what most people were reading at the time. And so Superman you see something versus the homeless. <laughs> you see something like this where it is cannibalism and uh, <laughs> uh, cannibalism and you know this kind of uh, on panel murder and I mean it's it was something really I think different at the time that Dark Horse was put out putting out and I think that's why it sold really well. It's beautiful to look at. It reminds me of. Uh, you mentioned it earlier, David Lloyd's work on V for Vendetta, mm-hmm. where there aren't any outlines, there aren't hard lines, there are fields of white and fields of black, and everything right. is defined by the stark contrast. Either you're black on a white background or white on a black background. Yep. But what it's showing is incredibly unsavory and misogynistic and violent and scratch that beyond misogynistic. To the point where all of the female characters are these beautiful, manipulative, hateful shrews. Mm-hmm. And all of the men are these two-fisted, manly men of action who may or may not have you know, pure motives in the end. But they're admirable, dang it. And if you try to electrocute them, they're going to go, is that, is that the best you can do, you pansies? I mean, Marv is... <sighs> He's an ass. He's terrible. He's somebody that I would not Marvis ever Arts want to meet. Scrub. It's somebody I would not ever want to meet. And, you know, it's funny that so many readers cheered for his return in A Dame to Kill For, in that one scene where he's in the bar, where the stories That's all intersect cool. with one another. And is that which one it was, is well, Dame to Kill For? I'm pretty sure that there's a segment in a in a book that takes place before this book right. where Marv and, and um, Dwight and Dwight actually yeah. have to work together. Yes. And there, and there's, you know, the scene in the, just like in the movie, there's a scene in the bar where they're all watching Nancy do her thing. And they're Marvin, all common. Marvin Dwight. And then, and Bruce the Willis is yeah, Bruce really Willis. a dead person. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know, Rodrigo, do you have any final thoughts on, on this book? I think we've kind of talked it are from our points of view on this. Yeah. Um, it's since it is kind of its own thing. It's, you know, too stylized to be actual like noir, right? Um, and it's obviously not superhero fare, and it's not um, any of that other stuff. It just kind of stands out on its own, which is you know whether you like it or not is is high praise. Um, in in a medium where you know the medium is not that old, and people are just constantly recycling stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously a lot of this stuff isn't new. We've seen people jumping out of buildings before, and you know, seeking out revenge, but just the way that it's, I think, rendered is a good mm-hmm. good phrase. It's just the way that it's put together, the way that all the elements come together is very unique. Um, anything that tries to approach it, it will, will be immediately shot down as, as trying to copy Sin City. Right. That's how iconic it is. Right. So recommend, not recommend, you like it, you don't like it. Oh, definitely. You know, pick... Read this one. Go go out. Go at least go to your library and find it. Um, yeah, providing that your librarian if, doesn't say it's adult and you can't check it out if you're under seventeen. If nothing else, just so that you can gawk at how much the movie was basically panel for panel. Yes. The this book. Yes. Yeah. You know, the, the the Marv segment was right, and, and I'm pretty sure all the other segments were the same way. Yeah. Yeah. They were. Matthew. So much 
testosterone. Oh my God, my man sense is tingling, if you know what I mean. <laughs> it It's sex and violence, and it's an orgy of destructive force for its own purposes. But looking at it, you know, even there's a sequence where Marv is surrounded by hookers. Yeah, totally. And they're angry hookers, and one of them has a mask. Yeah. It's so wonderfully put together. I can't, I'm torn. I can't recommend it. I really can't. I know there are people out there who love it. My Tommy uh, Grice, who is wrong, sir, wrong. Tommy loves this book, you know, as, as much as anything we've ever read. And it's been the subject of some major divisiveness between us in that I don't love it. I want to love it. There are parts of it that I, you know, enjoy. I think Marv as a character is fascinating in the same way that Bruce Banner in the 70s when he would turn into the Hulk and scream for the puny humans to leave him alone and play with a deer was fascinating. Mm-hmm. He's he's like that character. He's kind of that force of nature who he does stuff and then stuff happens and he doesn't really make the connections between doing stuff and having stuff happen. So you say not but recommended. I can't, I, I can't recommend it. There's just too much. Uh, the, the, the off-putting thing to me is the gender politics, for one. Um, I can't get past the fact that the first sequence doesn't take, uh, doesn't take me to a point where I'm willing to buy the rest of it. If there was more depth in that first sequence to where I could understand why Goldie did what she did, or even something to where I could you know grasp a hold of something other than the fact that this is a guy named Marv and his head looks like a truck. You know, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm going to be marked as a heretic because I don't no, like it's, Sin it's, City. It, that's the whole thing about any kind of a review or any kind of comment that any of us make or any kind of comment that, that other people make is it's your opinion. And you are entitled to your opinion. And I think people, if you want to go back and listen to the um, our Batman debate of the mm. um, Grant Morrison Batman run. You know, Matthew loved it. I hated it. But I could see where Matt everyone was coming David. from. Yes. Uh, and so I think you're, you know, if you don't like it and you can't recommend it, then, you know, that's your opinion. And, and people are going to listen and they're going to say, well, that's Matthew's opinion. And, and here's why I agree with him or here's why I don't agree with him. And they can do it in a civilized so way. But I don't think that you're really going to be saying, you know, you're going to go to the store next week and people are going to be throwing rotten cabbages at your head and screaming uh, unclean. Light. Dusty might, because, you know, Dusty happens to have that rotten cabbage factory <laughs> in his backyard. You know, it, it was interesting when the Sin City movie came out. Uh, my wife and I went to it, and I really sat there going, okay, I know what all these stories are, and I know the graphics, and I know it's got Jessica Alba, and I know we won't see her boobies, but this is still going to have some pretty heavy crap in it, and I'm not sure my wife is going to like it. And we left the theater, and we were both kind of quiet, and I was like, so what did you, what did you think? And she said, surprisingly, I thought she was going to say, I thought it was awful. You know, we went to see Grindhouse and she just couldn't stand either of those movies. Mm-hmm. But she came out of, of Sin City and she says, I really like that movie. I liked it a lot. And I said, you weren't bothered by all the violence and stuff. She's like, no, I said, you weren't bothered by the implied sex or anything. She's like, no, I thought it was fine. It was, I thought it was a good story. Yeah. And, uh, I've never had her sit down and read any of the source material. Not that she has time to do any of that. Mm-hmm. But I would be interested mm. now to s- have her sit down. It's been, what, four years or something. 
since the movie's come out, three years. Well, I know I saw the I saw chunks of the film on Bravo a couple of years ago, so it's got to be at yeah. least three years. So I'm I'm curious to see what her reaction would be if I said, "Here, sit down and read this. Tell me what you think." If she would like it as much as what she saw in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, My wife has a problem with reading comics in that she, you know, has trouble following the panels. Eh, yeah, um, and I can understand that too, but. Personally, I like this book. I like it for the art, and I like it for the just way over-the-top crazy story that's being begged to turn into a movie, which they did. Yeah. And uh, and so I would recommend it from the art standpoint and seeing something that is not something that hasn't been done before, but something that takes what has been done before and really takes it up to that next level and does it really, It's like really the well. Crunchwrap burrito. It's all stuff you've seen before, <laughs> but they wrapped it up differently and then they deep fried it. Yeah. So that is that is our recommendations for it. And everybody has their opinion and we can all keep it civil in our discussions. And we're going to do that again next week. That wraps it up for the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you over there in thank the corner. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Shazam. 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 Thanks so much for being part of the Major Spoilers experience, taking the time to listen to this show. Please, 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 please head over to iTunes. And leave us some uh, positive reviews for the Major Spoilers podcast. Man, the reviews of that Critical Hit podcast are through the roof. But nice. let's do that with the Major uh, Spoilers. Let's see if we get a I bunch of five-star reviews. Cats. I would what I would, what meat. I would really like to do is see if we can get the number of downloads for the Major Spoilers podcast to equal or surpass those of the Critical Hit podcast. Mm-hmm. Just because I like this show yeah. a lot. And because... Because Rodrigo had created the Critical Hit podcast, and you can't stand it that his thing is bigger than your thing. I don't think it's that. I don't think it's no. that way. This was a kind of a group thing, at least group is between it? Rodrigo and I. Yeah. <laughs> but you know the the whole thing with the oh, major really? spoilers. Exp- oh, hey, let me ask you. <laughs> let me ask you guys a question. All right, you can write the open next week. Uh, no, 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 no. I'm talking about the critical hit. How it evolved into its own spinoff. A spin-off show. No, 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 no. That's what are you, fine. What are you asking us, Stephen? Rodrigo, what have your website. What I want to ask people is, who wants a free T-shirt? Um, well, not necessarily a free T-shirt, but we might have some news and announcements about how you can get a major spoilers Legion Legion of Spoilerite T-shirt Ooh. in the near future, if you are interested in that. And you can only be get this T-shirt if you are a true believer in the major spoilers experience. Reading heroes, I'm suing you for copyright infringement. <laughs> Next week on Our the show, podcast, racketeering. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to have a weekend show this week. We're just going to see what happens. Well, maybe we'll have a weekend show. Who knows? We could have a weekend show. Two words: word association. No, not word association. Maybe something else. You, Next week, we are going to take a look at the Marvel a... universe. We're going to take a look at the Marvel universe with zombies. Marvel Zombies Vibranium. That's all next week on the Major Spoilers They're Podcast because we know that you love brain dead superheroes eating flesh. And we do too. And we will see you next time. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers Forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash majorspoilers and on MySpace at myspace.com slash majorspoilers.
Fat Dick's revision of Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler, what a major spoiler. If I'm star raving rich like a man of iron, I might not be surprised to find that I might actually have the heart cold to follow an entire storyline. But would I really even need to read upon all those escapades? I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being shot up in a find me in the Middle East with a gang sign throwing soldier. What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a major spoiler Whoa, 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 whoa What a major spoiler Major Spoilers Podcast, copyright 2009 Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event Right now get 20% below MSRP For an average of 15178 under MSRP On the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe Or Summit 4xe not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.